0: I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people, and that's where Aubition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, Providing you with insights into the current market and your competition. Benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting OrbitionGroup.com.
0: Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Steele, who is the head of data analytics at BMS Group. So Ben, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks, Carl. Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me on to chat. I'm really, really looking forward to the discussion. No, uh, pleasure is is all mine, Ben. So uh, obviously, um, we chat
0: quite a lot um, uh, forever, conversing on LinkedIn threads. And obviously, uh, yes. yeah. you come to our come to our event so i'm um, hoping this will be a, a a kind of um interesting but fascinating conversation for the for the listeners to to hear given your experience of kind of different environments and, and and whatnot but i guess before we jump into the meat of the topic where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief intro into their background and journey to date uh if you would be so kind
2: yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. So, uh so I currently head up uh, data analytics for uh, BMS Group. That's a fast-growing insurance uh, and reinsurance broker based in the city. Uh, that's been a fun and interesting journey. I've been here for just over a year. um Prior to my time here, I was in a essentially a similar role, so a sort of data leadership role as the uh, commercial director for data analytics for an insurer in the city called Brit Insurance. So, uh, many, many years' experience. I've been in financial services now for. Getting on for three decades, so my age a little bit there. Um, uh, so and in and out of data roles in that time, right? So I sort of I, I fell into the industry. I started in a data role uh, back in the early two thousands, um, and I've never really looked back, right? So as my career has definitely been one of those more squiggly lines than a than, than anything that looks sort of more linear. Um, whether I've been in a defined data role or or, or otherwise. Um, there's always been a data lens a heavy data lens to it so it's always held me true of like the honesty that data brings I've like the structure that it brings um and yeah so 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 there's always been a there's always been a data theme and it probably takes back to my my time at secondary school where i like just hacking around in, in spreadsheets right so um and i guess the best way to d- describe me then is i guess i am normally the first data leader through the door um so it's normally a blank sheet of paper it's a blank canvas I clearly enjoy being in that sort of creator mold um albeit as you know Carl from our previous discussions you know that comes with its own uh implications and challenges at points right so but typically that's where I'm best I'm best in a new project uh you know, on a new gig and um, where I can uh I guess shape um things from from the ground up nice
0: nice Tell the audience then um, just a little bit about BMS, you know, high level. And and then I guess um, what, you know, the, the point in time in the journey that you're at now, um, yeah. the purpose for you being there, you know, what was the trigger point for them deciding that, you know, they needed to bring bring you in effectively? What, what are you being tasked to, to do?
2: Sure. Great question. So, well, let me ask the BMS, let me answer the BMS question first. Uh, and i would say wow what a business um uh, i mean folks can google it but if you look at its growth uh, and success in the past sort of seven eight years um it's breathtaking i mean one of the things that attracted me to this business was not only its track record today but also its um, strategy and plans for the, for the next few years under a incredibly uh outstanding um uh, exec leadership um so I love the idea of creating something in a very fast growing business that has, uh, incredibly, uh, impressive, but also very achievable, I think aspirations in the next sort of five to six years. Um, I wanted to be part of that journey from an organizational standpoint. Um, I loved the idea in the, in the, in the process of having discussions, uh, with BMS, I met a number of the exec team though, that conversation evolved in a way that I couldn't have imagined. It became, it it wasn't an interview, right? It didn't feel like that. It felt very collegiate, very collaborative. Almost if I were to vision it, it was me sitting around the the, the same side of the table as the exec members sort of sketching out what that role could look like, right? So I think BMS as part of the next chapter in its growth knows how important um, data analytics is to um, the insurance industry more generally. Um, and um particularly uh for an insurance broker and the services um that it offers to clients um, and ultimately how it differentiates itself within a, in a fairly commoditized market right so um so i love the story completely believed it i met some absolutely amazing and outstanding leaders along the way uh i will i guess we'll get to the probably bit to that in a bit more detail as we go forward and it was environment that i thought i could actually succeed and flourish in right so that's the hypothesis that you know that i was i guess i was testing on the way in my i guess my my um selection criteria purpose for being here um is i guess twofold really the good old fashioned you know i'm here as a change leader to to make things happen etc cetera, etc cetera. um and obviously only owning, owning the or leading the creation uh and implementation of um a group data strategy the first um data strategy for for this business um is the i guess is the sort of the the, the strap line ultimately my goal is to to support and enable bms to drive value from its data yeah. right so uh and no doubt the value word will um continue through through the rest of this conversation but you know it is essentially value in, in all shapes and forms right so um There's a clear brief. I I think I am closely aligned to um, the business. Um, So I sit within the business, uh, when on mid um, or back office team. Um, I work directly for the chief commercial officer, an outstanding um, guy by the name of Elliot Powell, um, which means I am really, really close to business conversations. I'm very, very close to the business strategy. And it means, therefore, then that sort of being able to align the work and the strategy around data analytics to it, again what a what a fantastic what a fantastic opportunity Uh, i'm now just over a year in it's been an interesting first year um with that blank sheet of paper um but my you know my my enthusiasm um and passion for the for the opportunity hasn't hasn't changed one bit if anything it's just been renewed right so um yeah it's 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 the classic ben make this happen um we know we we know we need you we don't know exactly what the role or the brief looks like um come and help us shape that um educate senior leadership um and we'll collaborate on essentially shaping essentially really a commercial strategy that's driven by data rather than a data strategy that's informed by business
0: Mm. yeah so so much to unpack there then um if we jump it, because there's a ton of people out there that are, you know, looking for the data leadership level that are looking for new roles that yeah. probably realized along their careers that maybe they um wish they'd have done more digging or had got a bit more clarity on certain things, right? So, and I guess the question that I continue find myself asking on this podcast is, um you know, getting getting fresh perspectives around the the idea of. What does value mean within the context of an organization, you know, as it relates to how a data leader should be measured around what their success looks like. So we rewind a year ago, um, was there? you, you talked about there being a clear brief, but was there kind of any metrics around that or were you brought there to, to shape that, I guess, what does, what are you
2: expected to be measured by in terms of value creation? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. So I think that was very much part of the blank canvas um again i have a track record of operating in what i've described as relatively low data maturity environments so that means that i'm here to help answer and shape that question uh, the answer to that question right so um uh and i just got straight into it having built and led a team that i think to many was described as market leading in my previous place that team at the point at which i left which is probably about 18 months ago now, generated anywhere between $1,500 hundred million of sort of top and bottom line value to, to that business. Uh, a big chunk of that was was um, was a- a- annually recurring. So you know, it was it was it was long lasting, uh, enduring, if you like, uh, value. Here, the aim was day one, get close to the business, get close and understand what the business strategy is. And I would say, by far the way this is the clearest most compelling business strategy i've ever seen um, potentially that's because of the industry that's also likely because of the type of business any insurance broker is, is is clearly focused on on hard metrics right in terms of how it in, ter- in terms of how it measures itself um and therefore then the investors have a have a very specific profile in terms of how they look at how they look at business value so actually the the, the business strategy um, conversations and the broader engagement with the business w- was relatively straightforward, right? And we, we could anchor on what good look like relatively quickly. Um I had conversations I think with with board and investors in at some point in the summer, again very clear and straightforward in terms of what does good look like. It's the you know lines on a PL, right? You move to the top of a PL, it's revenue, you move part way down it's cost you move all the way down and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's EBITDA or it's profit in, you know, in old money. Right. So, um, there's clearly as you move away, therefore, then from a, a conversation with a board and with an exec, the conversation about value therefore then starts to become more nuanced, uh, and invariably less tangible. We, we hear words, efficiency, we hear the words risk. Um, we hear the words that I used it earlier, we hear the words differentiation brand. Um, and I will quote uh, you, Carl. I think from a recent, uh, I think it was a, I think it was a post you put out. Might have been an article actually. You know, value is in the eye of the beholder. I think sometimes where um, data leaders get a little caught out, it's a little blind spot. Is they feel that it's their responsibility to define what value means for a business, rather than seek to understand what it means for a business um, and plug into that. Because frankly. If I look at the work we're doing and where we're prioritizing our efforts in the minute, and let's structure that around the, the concept of use cases, not all value is equal. Um, and actually right now there are, I have, I haven't mentioned it, but there are some, what I describe as high utility use cases. So things that we need to be able to put into the hands of senior stakeholders that allow them to understand and run the business more effectively. Now, could I put a dollar value to those use cases probably are not right now does that mean they're any less um critical absolutely not right and and also the side i guess the side story to that is you know delivering for senior stakeholders gets you buy-in and sponsorship for for future work right so i think often the value conversation we're almost trying to distill it down to a single answer to a question right and i don't want to get back to the it depends answer either I think the the, the reality is, is, I think the date leader's role is to understand what the mix of value looks like. It's like we're trying to come up with the perfect ingredients for um, the perfect tasting, um, you know, uh, meal or the or the or the right mix for a song that you and I would be recording. Is is you know that's going to be different in different environments because you know different. Um, stakeholders have they're going to have different needs right being able to read the room read the context understand what good looks like um and build that value proposition that has enough of every it has enough of everything for everyone right to, to, to be almost overly simplistic is absolutely key and that's a and that's a dynamic mix right so that's not a unfortunately we're not in a we're not on a, a lab we're not we're not performing a science experiment and we're trying to crack that code once actually you know that's going to evolve quite quickly that is very dynamic um, and therefore then being able to stay close to that conversation stay close to, to to business stakeholders and evolve your thinking as they evolve theirs and then it becomes much more virtuous in the sense that it's data leading some of the strategy conversations opposed to data data feeding those strategy conversations and then it becomes much more fluid right so um that's a long that felt like that was an exam question um i think i filled out a couple of a4 sheets um by way of answer but yeah i i think to, to i guess to bring that back to, to cold hard yards you talk to a, a board or investors they'll be very very clear on that that's economic value that's value that that ultimately drives what you call enterprise value to the overall value of a business um what do shareholders want they want predictability um in terms of you know the overall performance of a business and therefore they i ideally avoid volatility volatility as much as possible depending on the risk appetites so I, I think again understanding the mindset of not just what's said in those conversations about value but ultimately what underpins it and sometimes it's almost the reading being able to read the non-verbals as well as what is said or, or written down um you will have had it i'm sure oh, carl when you've spoke to people before that sometimes it takes quite a deep conversation to really understand what's on somebody's mind what's their priority and what's pressing them and isn't necessarily what they're saying right so again a a good data leader's role is to be able to get into the the, into the depths of those conversations in a way where they can essentially go away and, and and add value in whichever way is necessary
0: yeah 100%. I mean, there's so much um, insightful stuff in in there, Ben. I think one thing that I've been kind of pondering on, and um, to be honest with you, over the last, it's been something that I've been probably trying to find a way to articulate over the last four or five, six months, where I kept seeing this almost like a disconnect between something that you touched upon there, which is what sometimes what data analytics teams view as value where you talked about they want to be often the ones defining what value yep. means for an organization and actually what value actually means for the organization but then even further than that what value means in the context of the person the person or the team or the function or whatever that you're speaking to right and i think um as you, you know Samir Sharma very well when we were chatting with him he, he kind of put it in a way that made more sense to me which was you know we often talk but we're talking use cases around data use cases not business use cases and i think that's that's it right you know from a often what we see is data analytics teams their value or their their perception of value is in that data use case of fixing yes. the problem that yeah. they're trying to fix, not not what the business perceives as, as as value. So, I guess obviously don't have time to jump into it in loads of great detail, Ben. But I guess there's probably very few people out there in the industry that are willing to put their hand up necessarily and say, yeah. "You know, I was responsible for generating X amount of millions of pounds on a on a PNL for a business." Just talk us through very brief, very high level, kind of what, what goes into that? How do you do that? Because, I mean, I find this fascinating that you still, we still get people out there that are having debates around this, that is it possible? Is it not possible? It can't be done. It's We're not the action takers on this. So how can we be responsible for and accountable for the value that's created, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously I've got you sitting in front of me today saying we generated X. So just just talk us through the high level kind of movements of that journey, if you would.
2: I mean that's a that's a great question, and we definitely don't have we definitely. I mean that that, I could probably I could try and write a book on this, Um, (laughs) but and I've got to be honest, I don't have a sort of a a defined answer. Right, so I wouldn't say some of it was luck. I think some of it was about building uh, a team that had the skill set and the mindset, and then I essentially pushed a really highly collaborative model. so, but I think first and foremost, I have to start with the fact that, you know, data teams will work more effectively when they step into a business conversation. They don't wait for business folks to step into a data conversation. And um, to the point that actually where I think I've enjoyed and had the most success is that the, the, almost as if the word data, certainly the word technology is not even mentioned, right? We're just talking about a business problem. We're talking about how we might segment um, our client base we'll be talking about specific goals business goals targets um and then i think the the i listened to the podcast by the episode by the way with samir um that was that was fantastic um hard hard act to follow i would say um but this trade this straight to translator it's the ability to be able to understand the business conversation um whether it's i mean that can't just be one person in the data team but right? ultimately that needs that's needs to that that needs to ultimately be the, the broader efficacy of the team but um and then say okay well we now understand the business need enough to then figure out what that could look like in terms of you know use cases hypothesis to test etc and i i under i get the point certainly would agree with samir that this notion of business use cases versus um, data use cases but what i would say is if your business side you frankly don't use language like use cases right so And again, I think we just have to be we have to be careful that what we're not trying to do is codify as if we think the answer somewhere here is process. Um, And you will have had conversations, I'm sure, with folks about data products being the answer. We moved away from waterfall into agile. I think for a lot of people, the theory of the work can sometimes be the distraction and where I've seen the most value. I mean, I'll give an example. I can't get into too much detail, but one specific output one specific product in, in my previous role a very small data science team built um it took eight weeks to sort of build that out as a proof of concept um we were testing ideas along the way um following some really really good engagement with the business and um, that product was really t- although it's a data science team it's really just sort of enhanced sort of analytics with a bit of um with a bit of robotics with a bit of rpa thrown in and it delivered. I think it was something like twenty-five to thirty million of top-line revenue within its first sort of eighteen months. So again, I think not being distracted by the technical complexity um, of the work, and really just putting the business challenge, the business need, the opportunity right in the middle of the conversation, and structuring around that. And, and then clearly, there's a point where we have we we have to think about method, we have to think about solution. But I think sometimes we get so far away as we get into the work as we get into the weeds we get so far away from losing sight of what we were there to actually do then the risk is we build something we think is pretty neat and pretty cool it solves little it adds little or no value and it doesn't solve any specific business need right so one of the i would say probably one of the successes i've had over the over the years is to almost drag a a, a data analytics team whether it's a data science team bi team uh, or others through that journey almost at the points where we've had some quite tough conversations about the lack of alignment to the specific business needs um and unfortunately I, mean, I think i had a trust in the environment people knew that i had their interest in heart. right so even those difficult conversations were 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 constructive um so I, yeah i think i think ultimately it's about being able to step out of your own comfort zone out of your own subject matter you know you didn't the main knowledge and be comfortable in a purely business conversation with the ability to be able to then step back to say i understand this well enough now that i can either pull a business person or business folks with me and we can figure this out together um or i can actually go away and build something prove something quite quickly i think the last point i'd add and again I think this, I don't know if this applies in all industries, but in the insurance industry, there is this perennial challenge between um, departments like actuarial risk, where you've got some highly intelligent, sort of very, very smart people who have a really good understanding of business. Then you've got your typical business users at the front office um, in here that would be brokers in in, in that business, it was in, 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 in uh, uh, underwriters. I think the, the power I've seen in collaboration and rather than everybody trying to prove that they are the smartest person in the room in that conversation, and actually when you can say, I'm going to take the best of everything, I'm going to take the best of all of those minds and put them in the environment and give them the business challenge, you know, the, the famous Ben Franklin saying, you know, we should all hang together, assuredly we all hang separately. In a collaboration sense, I generally do believe that collaboration is by far the way the single biggest superpower to businesses accelerating their, their efforts and rewards in the data space. Um, mm. and I haven't seen, I've seen pockets of it. Um, so, but I've seen enough to be, to be, uh, I guess, confident that that's the proven method, right? So, but again, it's selling other people on the virtues of, uh, new ways of thinking and new ways of working.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. But to set you back then. So you talked there about, um, the, the data science, advanced analytics, you know, new, new products, 25 million, um, to the, to the top line, I think you said just to get back to the purpose of that was that then the organization saying we're trying to increase top line or was it saying we want a new product or was it more you optimizing something that they already had and finding a way to make it better you know what 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 was the angle of attack as it were for the reason for doing it in the
2: first place great great question i think in this industry so that's i guess the specialty insurance industry you have a number of competing forces you have yeah, it's a competitive it's a competitive marketplace. So you're always sort of trying to defend um your existing your existing business. There's you know opportunities that, that come up within that. And actually what we saw was we saw a really neat opportunity where essentially the market consolidated and we saw smaller um businesses, I guess, sort of move away from the business or get shut down. The business that they participated in presented as an opportunity for us. So actually some of it was quite opportunistic. It was through our discovery conversations with um with certain underwriting teams, we better understood what they were I guess the context in which they were operating under. And it generally just became a two-way conversation. Well what if we what if we tried this? Would that work? Mm, yeah, maybe. Well what, what if we tried this, right? So a generally two-way Conversation that was still very is very still very entrenched in you know trying to understand the business unit specifically um, and solve a, a business challenge, um, and that evolved right. So that thinking that product um, you know we would have tested can we do it? So can we build it? Would have been the first test that we needed to prove. Then if we surfaced the information, is that something that uh, an underwriter could use actively? um and if they were going to use it would it lead to a successful outcome right so we didn't need to build the thing in its entirety classic poc model right where we were like well actually if we can give you a really small sample set of results that you can go and action um then you can go ahead and try that right and then you can feedback to tell us whether you want more of that right so in that true innovation model i think we were able to do that so Again, I think it was about having people in the conversation from a data standpoint who were able to understand the conversation and be quite opportunistic about how we could help um, rather than wait for, you know, we're not, you know, we're not in a restaurant, right? And we're not waiting for somebody to pick um, their main course from a menu. It just, it just isn't, it isn't that model. So I think we brought expertise to a conversation that didn't exist um, previously without us. Um, we were able to engage in that business conversation in, in, in a way that we could understand the needs, wants, and challenges, um, and then we were able to offer um, some ideas about how we could allow our team to grow, how we could, how they could defend the book of business, etc. Um, and I love the fact that probably the biz- biz- biggest successes we had there were all relatively straightforward to deliver. Right, so. were there's complexity in there um but actually they weren't 12 18 months deliverables for a single outcome they were things that we could test we could deliver quickly and iterate thereafter right so i'm sure i was obviously i've been gone for a while but i'm sure those products all exist in um a newer in a newer form newer form since um and then you've got the business hooks i think once you've once you've got some credibility behind you and then people will engage experience tells me people who engage in a very different way
0: yeah how critical do you so there's two parts to this question but i'll ask you the first part um about the the kind of team then how critical do you think it was in terms of having the right people with that ability to speak in commercials you know speak commercial language be be okay having that business conversation and working backwards to the technical solution as opposed to what we you know unfortunately often see is the other way around right taking a technical technical yeah. speak and technical chat into a business context and bamboozling everyone
2: well so first again another great question and I wonder if some somehow the function I built that ever uh set my 30 35 of us in the in the in the team there um I suspect that I built a function in my own image if that makes sense right in the sense that i wasn't particularly technical i guess i come from a from a, an, an, an analysis background so i could find my way curiously around um the data but so i don't know initially whether i was just solving for my own quote unquote shortcomings but essentially what i realized quite quickly was you know the technical folks will they'll know their work far better than anybody else right so And there were plenty of those folks that were in that team. So it's not like we were just going to have a bunch of business facing folks. who didn't want to get their hands dirty, right? It needed to be a a really healthy mix um, of all skills, uh, mindset, truly diverse and inclusive team. Um, I think it was about making sure that the balance of skills was correct. It was about understanding that the balance of mindset was correct. And actually, as much as anything else, it was then embedding the right culture within the team, right? Which was there is an expectation that, you know, ultimately you will be comfortable understanding the business challenge and you're not going to just sit hiding away in the background. Um, someone's going to give you uh, a requirement and you're going to sit there and, and kind of code it out, right? So, in the end, we would put as many technical people in a business conversation, even if they were just sitting and listening, right? So, I think sort of codifying and embedding that culture. Um, with me, I guess, um, sort of front and center, n- n- with people knowing that essentially it was still a safe environment, right? So we were, we were, you know, maybe pushing people outside their comfort zones at points, and you know that wasn't always going to feel pleasant. Nobody was set up to fail, and um, there was lots of growth in that process. Um, and actually, the, the I guess the, the the benefit for each individual in that process is that their work gets more recognised, right? So. Then the exposure profile changes because it's easier to recognize rather than say, oh, look, this is me shouting from the rooftops for a team that's delivered something. Oh, by the way, you've never met this team before. So now let me do intros. It's a bit like basketball players coming onto on a court before a game. It's like, you you know, everybody, right? You've seen everybody, you know, the faces. You know, when we sat, I sat down with the, 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 the then CEO um, to talk uh, to, to talk about a specific use case for him, um, and other than the first conversation where we, we were discussing the the needs, every other conversation de- was deferred to the team, right? So um, because when you build that environment, you can trust, um, you know, a business analyst, a data engineer, a data architect to sit in that conversation because they've learned the way of engaging with the business. Um, that doesn't happen overnight, right? That took me for probably four years to build that team and get them to that sort of what i would describe as sort of high performing mindset i think the other thing which you know is more of a leadership philosophy for me is encoding the the principles of servant leadership and understanding that you know ultimately we are there to serve quote unquote our customers um and therefore going with that mindset um i think particularly when you serve well I think people will wake up and treat you very very differently um i think for a while i almost operated as if we were our own business within a business because it redefined what customer meant Mm, yeah i think the blurring of a a colleague is a customer makes absolute sense it's a bumper sticker right but actually in reality i think that blurring sometimes isn't particularly helpful when you generally do see um everybody's a customer you know when i see my own team as a customer of my leadership skills then i think it's a it, it's a it's a bit of a paradigm shift
0: mm, yeah that's really interesting i
2: guess one thing
0: that many struggle with in this conversation is the the attribution right or the allocation of revenue where it come from obviously you've already talked about the importance of collaboration so i'm presuming that um you know when you are collaborating in such a way relationships are formed where these things are maybe agreed up front or you know there's some kind of mechanism in place that allows for that work to be recognized as opposed to you know what we sometimes unfortunately see in the industry where some great work's done and then you know you've got teams that are action takers trying to then take all the credit right just talk to me about the importance of that collaboration between the attribution of, you know, you and your yep. team being rewarded, as it were, for you know putting putting the data and analytics sticker on that revenue that was generated.
2: Again, what a, what a great question, and I don't want to be dismissive in my answer. Um, and you will, have, I'm sure, you will ask a similar question to several people previously. But my experience tells me that it's. It almost ends up being the wrong question in the end, because I think it talks about the fact that in certain environments, because of the way organisations are designed, therefore they're siloed because of the way that P are constructed, they're very but are very precious. That it almost is a barrier directly at the start. What I've realised is is when when a team and a DNA team is operating effectively and delivering value how that value is attributed almost isn't a a question that needs to be answered right because culturally the mindset is very very different people understand the value of the team i wasn't sitting there thinking oh i've got to keep a register here of yes it's useful right um but you know it's why i typically use quite broad terms because i couldn't give you a i couldn't give you a a hard number and and again the difference between top line revenue and you'll know this from running your own business top line revenue is very different to to, to 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 profit right so um i think sometimes date leaders can become too obsessed about well i need or we need to be able to say it was us and um, we need to be able to put a number to that i mean clearly that needs to be contextual to an organization because if that's the, the way they need to operate then you know i think that gets that gets um a little bit more sticky um here i think Again, it's been a relatively straightforward conversation, right? Straight off the bat, you know, our priorities here aren't to monetize data. So DNA isn't its own PL. Um, But I can quite clearly see from the work that we're doing, how it enables, very directly enables other p and um, So whilst I won't um, chase that, like my 5 year olds chased the um, ice cream van um, down the street when, when we're at home is I just need to be sensible about how how I have those conversations, you know, reminding people without having to shout from the rooftops all the time about how all of this work fits together. Um, ultimately, I would like to envisage a world in the not too distant future, not just for this business, for, for others, where almost the concept of data strategy starts to become somewhat redundant. And actually what we see is business strategies that have a data component to them, right? Because again, I think that conversation becomes much, 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 much clearer. And I think lastly, which I think holds the the holds the premise of, of philosophy, my philosophy, it holds it true, is if you're not a profit center, then you're a cost center, right? So if we pivot around, you know, whether you are a central recharge that's done on, you know, whatever that company's allocation methodology is or whether you know a business unit you know funds part of you directly because it has you know a specific set of, of, of resources or skills it has access to um ultimately it should be a conversation you can pivot it and have the conversation in that direction right which is you know business unit x ceo of um you know business unit y let's have a conversation about how do you want to be served and what value you want to get from the team um and i think then therefore then looking for almost some of the more lagging indicators right which is do they does that does a business unit want to go faster are they prepared to fund more resources um uh, we can see the demand coming in right so we can measure let's call it deal flow right we can measure we can measure the pipeline in so we can we can produce some of the more operational metrics um the more qualitative stuff i think comes in in those conversations right when you've got two three four exec members who are championing you you know, you can see you're getting the right size budgets each year to support a team, grow a team, support the business. And a business is either jumping up there and shouting about how much value you're enabling. And or you can see some direct links to um, some of the individual business unit PLs. The The answer is all of those things, right? So I think, again, there's no silver bullet. Maybe there is isn't some businesses, but certainly from my experience in lower maturity businesses, there's no perfect answer, right? the, the, the We've talked about it previously, right? There's, these aren't fair-weather roles. Um, get on with it, figure it out, read the room, navigate. I use the term, you know, try and be a bit like Frank Underwood in season one of House of Cards. Definitely don't be like Frank Underwood in any other season, right, for sure. Um, but again, just being able to know how to how to navigate what is often, you know, a complex conversation in most organisations have, our complex environments right so um and find a way to build capability um that's that's long lasting that enables you to serve value for the short medium and long term
0: yeah absolutely conscious of time Ben, we, we could probably chat on this for, for for hours but there's a few things that i really want to finish on here and that's um mainly around the component of of value as you said for most yeah. boards and excos will ultimately in some way shape or form result or revert into some kind of pnl metric right yeah. however you did say that there are other things that can be valuable to those people and that business team and the wider the wider business um that you know isn't as easy at the point in time of doing it to attribute a, a, a revenue figure yeah. to how do you then go about, I guess, engaging business leadership teams to kind of take them on that that journey, as it were, into you know, in, in regards to we're going to end up somewhere here, but we need to build a relationship with all of these people to understand what their drivers are, what value means to them in the context of short, medium, and long term, et cetera.
2: Yeah uh again another great question and i think that sometimes the blind spot here for certainly the certainly i have past experiences of this as well um i must confess is trying to ball the ocean um do we try and do that with every single senior business stakeholder or do we st- start somewhere and you know my advice to anybody starting off on their daily leadership journeys is, is just find the, the happy path right and the happy path is <laughs> you know you can have the best idea in the world but if you're trying to if you're trying to sell that to a business unit that doesn't get it doesn't want it is too busy then that's not that's really just a question of timing right so i think as i've navigated previous roles and now this one i've tried to at least understand what that happy path is right which is who's ready who's willing who's able um who gets it um who maybe doesn't get it but is keen willing to engage um i think the it's sort of similar to the selection criteria for a role is the selection criteria for an obvious conversation use case stakeholder right um and so i would say start in the most sensible place we talk about low hanging fruit being the easiest thing to deliver sort of time and effort um uh, versus value I think the missing factor before we even get there is sort of understanding the, the stakeholder landscape to a point where even the theory of stakeholder mapping makes absolute sense right so uh, and again fortunate enough in, in in the previous role in this one that you know there's lots of um opportunity that that is almost sort of hiding in plain sight i think that's the other role of a data leader is to sort of see it right i think there's often opportunities hiding everywhere it's just being able to see through the noise of a, you know, very busy, very complex organizations to go, I think I can see some opportunities here. I now need to go, okay, well, who do I think is ready for the conversation? Who do I think doesn't have time? Um, and then how do I engage, right? So, and I think that's a day one challenge. I think once you've got a few wins under your belt, I think you start to become credible in the eyes of a few more and then it's and then it's about building some momentum along the way right so um i I think that's quite an interesting challenge specifically with talking to somebody about earlier with data strategy particularly where you start small in terms of delivery you know there's every chance that you might tell the world about what you're doing with regards to data strategy but there might only be a very small proportion of the organization that sees any value for a while Mm -hmm. um so therefore then should you tell the world or should you only really narrow down um, communication to, to those that are heavily engaged. Just, I'm not sure if there is a perfect answer to that, answer to that question. Yeah. Um, so 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 yeah, I think I think understanding your audience is absolutely key. You know the amount of times that you will have had experience. You know when you get cold called for something, you do and you put the phone down or you or, or you reply to the email or ignore the email. I do sort of stop and wonder about the process, the mindset that goes into the process, and often it's because it's tried and tested. And it's high volume, you know, low hit rates, et etc., and it works. I don't think the data leadership roles have the same luxury, right? Of you know, it's a it's a it's high volume, low hit rate, right? You've you, you've got to make sensible decisions about where you're going to be successful, for, particularly in the first sort of six to twelve months until there's a sort of a, a level of playing field where people understand the prospect, people understand the subject a bit more and the business is engaged you've 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 pulled into you've joined the, the the business strategy conversations and then then you're able to move at pace right and then it's about being able to have built a team that's ready to move more swiftly um and that is truly agile enough to be able to you know pick things up put them down move quickly um be a little less precious about you know the perfect way of doing things and again serve the business
0: yeah, 100%. So I think we can probably surmise, Ben, then from this conversation that there aren't any necessarily perfect conditions for being successful in a CDO or data executive type role. You know, it consists of being many things to many people, right? You know, a strategist, an operator, an executor, a psychologist, a <laughs> politician, yeah. a host of different things. Um and obviously, you know, context is 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 king and the environment you're you're you find yourself in will will kind of dictate that. Last thing for me, does data literacy play a role in the success that you can have, I guess, especially in relation to the last talking point there around, you know, choosing the stakeholders um correctly, you know, and, and kind of going for a, a high hit rate, making sensible decisions. Does that play a
2: factor? I mean, it does, I guess, in the broader it absolutely does in the broader. Um, I guess, topic of, amorphous topic of data culture, I do wonder sometimes whether, and and again, I I can only talk from my own experiences, sort of data literacy can also feel sometimes a bit like a red herring. Now, I would say if we talked about understanding of, so if I was trying to educate, quote unquote, an executive leadership team on the value of data within the context of supporting business strategy, then let's call that data literacy, absolutely if we're talking about how do we codify and upskill an entire organisation of, you know, one two three four five ten thousand 10,000 people, I think we start to lose sight of the fact that I think that's more about behaviours and mindset than it is about skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sort of, I think that the topic of literacy sort of bifurcates quite quickly. I think the other thing to bear in mind is, is that in an ideal world, it would be great if every exec member understood data in the way that we do right is that really their role right so do they understand the facility what the facilities team do do they understand what the operations team do i think there's a purest answer to that question i think it's more about how does one get close enough to the business senior business stakeholders that they trust you again rather than argue about how oh, well, i need a seat at the table it's like well what's the table right and what does that C give me it's about really being a trusted advisor to um to a, to a c-suite right whether you're in the c-suite or otherwise so that actually they are pulling you into even even some of their pre-strategy work they're pulling you into their thinking right so um literacy definitely plays a part in that um i think it's wrapped up in it's kind of what comes first is it context setting is it Mindset, is it behaviours, is it skills? Um, I think sometimes we go to literacy as a skills answer because it's the most tangible part of that conversation. Um and I'll leave you with a really, really quick analogy. My mum, I talk about my mum on every podcast, right? Um <laughs> I, I love her to bits. Um, she's in her 70s now. She phoned me recently, she had an issue with a spreadsheet she uses to run her finances. I said, Mum, you can just Google that, right? She's like, I can't Google it, I can't Google it sends me the spreadsheet i fix it. it happens three times in the same day right it gets the fourth time that day i've had enough um so i i ignore the phone call she needs to get it done or she feels the need to get it done she, she googles it and fixes it and the message say, i wish i'd have done that earlier right so is that a skills issue or is that a mindset and behaviors issue right so um a little bit of a slight tangent but i can't resist bringing, it home, <laughs> bringing up my mum on every podcast right so um I don't live with my mum, like, Just, to, just, to, just to clarify. So, 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 I think, I, I think it's, it's yes, it is about literacy. Um, but again, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to turn a C-suite into experts on data, or are we trying to turn a data team into experts on the business? Right. So, in an ideal world, it would be both. I think you know, depending on where every business is in its journey, again, it's the role of a data leader to assess what's needed in that given time horizon and, and focus on. The, making inroads there rather than what's the perfect theoretical answer and why does it seem to not be working
0: yeah 100 well ben thank you so much for your time a uh, truly fascinating conversation i think a lot of tangible tips and kind of stories in there that people can um, take away and, and hopefully execute in their own roles day to day so yeah appreciate you coming on the show and um, look forward to seeing how the rest of your journey at BMS Group
2: unfolds. Absolute pleasure, Carl. Thanks for having me.
0: That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two if you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests then please feel free to reach out to me thanks for listening and i'll be back next week